What is going on, everybody? We're back here for another episode of Beaver Dash after another clearly rough week. I'm still bald. Gus is still looking cute as ever. How you doing, Gus? How's it going? Half, I'm doing. I'm doing well. I'm liking Durag half. I think it's a good look. But you want you want to know what I'm really feeling like today? How you feeling? I'm feeling like a Beavers fan. I'm feeling like an Oregon State student because every single year I've been here, I've talked myself into, oh, we're not going to be so bad. And every single year, I know there's this voice in the back of my head that tells me, we've seen this story, we know how it goes. And then you get about three games into the season and you realize you're the same old Oregon State. And I think that's where I'm at now. I think we are the same old Oregon State that we've seen the last three years we've been here. And to be honest, I'm not all that optimistic about our future. How are you feeling about them? No, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm not going to lie. It is every single year. You talk yourself out of us being, you know, the worst team in the Pac-12. This might be the year. And especially after last year, having such a a progressive season. And now it's just going all downhill. But let's hop into this first topic. Was the UW game a good game for the Beavers? Let's hear your take. No, it wasn't. And I know what you're going to I know what people here are going to say. We lost 27-21 to Washington, who's a great football team. The final score is not indicative of that game at all. We should have lost that game 42 to 21. We really we shouldn't we should have put up 14 points if we're going to be honest. The one the reason we scored our first touchdown is because their long snapper snapped at 15 feet over their punter's head, and we got a lucky touchdown off that. Just That's clearly because Washington's rusty. That's probably not going to happen again the rest of the season. So they completely gave us a touchdown lead, and we still don't do anything with it. On top of that, Washington really should have had more points than they did. They had many times on third downs where we had, they had receivers wide open. Our defense completely let them get a wide open receiver, and they dropped it. Another lucky thing for us. They should have honestly had... Two more possessions that ended in touchdowns. They missed a field goal, and they gave us a touchdown, and we still lost the game. You think about us. Think about this from an Oregon State perspective. Say we're playing a team, we give them a touchdown, we miss a 20-yard field goal, and then there's two other possessions that end on because we can't get or because our wide receiver dropped it. Are we even close in that game? Washington tried to give us this game, and we still lost. It, it's insane. What do you think? Do you think this was a good game for us? No, no. Realistically, no. And it, it, we have down there in the sub cut line for everybody to see. OSU beat the spread, but still lost 27 to 21 against the Huskies. I mean, if you're into, you know, close, if you like horseshoes or you like cards, you know, you're close. But realistically, beating the spread doesn't put a W in the column. And that's the bottom line. 0-2 is 0-2 regardless of how many spreads you beat throughout the season. I'm going to throw out some stats to you just to show you how awful of a game this was for OSU and how 27 to 21 is actually kind of ridiculous for the final score. UW's total yards, 408 to OSU's 252. UW's 141 passing yards, which isn't the greatest, but I mean, for a team and a quarterback, for a team that didn't even know who their starting quarterback was going to be before the game, until right before the game started, 141 yards from the guy that you pick right before the game even starts is pretty good. Compared to OSU, Tristan Jebbia, 85 yards, 85 yards. 
Rushing yards, UW had a total of 267, which is 100 more than OSU had, even with our running backs actually dominating that game for OSU's offense. And this is this is the one that really gets me. 75 total plays for UW to OSU's 58, and time of possession for UW, 36 minutes, 59 seconds to OSU's 23 minutes, one second. We've talked about it time and time and time and time and time again. If the defense is on the field, the majority of the game, we're going to lose. And that is just an absolute picture perfect statistic there that OSU had the ball for a total of almost 15 minutes less than the UW offense did. You can't win a game if you don't have the people that score the touchdowns on the field. Yeah, you can get defensive touchdowns, but I mean, that doesn't happen often. That's why they're called the defense. If they could score as many touchdowns as the offense, it would just be offense all game. There's no, it's ridiculous. It's just over and over again, every week that the offense struggles to even stay on the field. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to say this. I'll address the rest of it in a second, but our defense has just as many touchdowns as our quarterback does this year. So there's something, they both have one touchdown or not even our, our special teams, not even our defense, our special teams has as many touchdowns as our starting quarterback. That aside, I'm really glad that you brought up the time of possession because that was something I was looking at. Washington, the score is not representative of how close this game was because in that second half, they literally had the ball twice. They had two possessions, and one they ended up in a missed field goal. That was like a 20-yard field goal. Should have put it in. The other they made. But that their possessions were so dominant. They barely had to throw the ball. It was just run it, four-yard gain, run it, five-yard game, run it, run it, run it. The thing that's just insane to me, there was a point in the third quarter. It was a third and fourth down play. They have them lined out wide. Most of the time, third and four, a team's not just going to run the ball up the middle because most teams can stop that if they they can – they won't give up a five-yard run on command, right? Washington just runs the ball right at us. We knew it was coming, and it's a six-yard gain. Every single time, it's like I would start watching the game expecting the first tackler to miss. I wish there was a stat on it somewhere how many times the first tackler actually made the tackle. Because the amount of missed tackles Washington had to have had, I mean, the Oregon State had to have had, is has to be off the charts. There is no way. It, not only are we missing tackles, our, so our linebackers, our secondaries missing tackles, our line doesn't even get the opportunity to them because every single play before they can even move they're pushed three yards back we're basically just asking teams to run the ball if I was Cal this week and we're gonna get into that Cal game later preview it or whatever but if I'm Cal I would literally run the ball every single time because I bet you they could pick up three yards of play and they'll beat us they will literally beat us if they don't throw the ball that is how little confidence I have in our running running defense it's insane yes you could make the argument we only give up three points in the second half they first off they should have had 14 secondly they didn't have to score because they knew they could just pick up four yards at a time and hold the ball the whole time so yes i looked at it initially and i was going to come here and say a bunch of nice things about the defense oh maybe we turn the corner and we only give up three points in the second half no after watching a replay of that game our defense did not turn the corner at all they ran it down our throat like we're the jv football team that we were talking about last week it's ridiculous. I don't even I, – I don't like thinking about that defense. I don't like watching that defense. And I don't know how we're going to fix the defense, I'll be honest with you. No, yeah. For anybody that didn't watch the game, watching that defense try to make a tackle was like watching a dude 
covered in butter running around with a bunch of children trying to tackle him. It was ridiculous. Not only does the defense not know how to wrap up, not know how to tackle, they don't even try. There were so many possessions where I saw two defenders, instead of trying to tackle, try to punch the ball out in open field. Why? Why? Maybe if it's maybe, maybe, and I'm saying this as maybe, if, you know, there's a bunch of people around this guy that can make that tackle you try to punch it out but when you're one-on-one in the open field with an offensive player as a defender you need to wrap him up and take him down because if you're trying to punch the ball out you're not going to make a tackle there was plenty of times in that game where you could count on two hands how many missed tackles came out of that defense it was actually ridiculous but that defensive line i will give them some credit because that uw offensive line is big It is big and it is good, but you need to step up to the challenge. That's just the bottom line. And we said this last week, you need, and I said this on the, when we did the crossover episode with Husky Dash, they had to come out and play with heart. Maybe, maybe they did. And maybe it's just the skill, but I, I would like to believe that our defense has skillful players that know what they're doing, but they don't come out and apply it to the game. Well, yeah, the one guy I got to give credit to is, my boy Avery Roberts, he, he had 12 tackles. The next highest on our team was six. He was all over the field. Granted, some of those tackles are just because the line in front of him missed him, but he was flying all over the field. He played how a great linebacker should play. I can't say that about the rest of our defense. I really, like, I did, I don't, I didn't see the effort. Honestly, I don't even want, we're going to talk about the offense in this next section. I don't see the heart on that side, except when it's Jamar or uh, Baylor. That's really the only guys I see. Maybe our line too, but this is one thing we have to bring up. We'd be remiss if we didn't bring it up. Late fourth quarter, we're down 24-21. We have the ball third and inches in the red zone. Run the ball up the middle with Jamar. Get a non-favorable spot. Run it back. Fourth and inches again. Run it up the middle again. We got two pretty bad spots on that. Would you, you remember what I'm talking about with the refs completely? I thought we got the first down twice. Both times they marked us short. And that really that turned the game around. The reason I didn't start with that, how that was kind of the hot topic to talk about, oh, the refs screwed us, is because I know the refs did not screw us. But what did you think about what what did you think about the they screwed us right there? Don't get me wrong, but we should not have even won the game. We shouldn't have even been there. We didn't play well enough. That's an, dude, that's also what's insane. We lost by six. Washington played terrible, tried to give us the game, and we still had a chance if it wasn't for the refs absolutely screwing us over, and we still lost. But what was your take on the, on those spots there that the refs gave us late in the fourth quarter? Oh, we got robbed. That was ridiculous. I mean, like you said, UW was handing us the game the whole time. That This was a winnable game, and only because UW came out and played awful. But then, later on in the game, as, as you just said, those two spots were ridiculous. He was definitely over the first down marker, and even if the markers on, on TV or the stream or whatever anybody out there is watching – isn't as accurate as it is on the field. It was clear that the dude got enough yards. Jamar Jefferson got enough yards to get over the first down, and they robbed us. It was ridiculous, and it actually blew my mind that the Pac-12 refs could be so incompetent <laughs> when it comes to placing the spot. Like it was quite obvious, and everybody and we challenged it. We yeah. challenged, it, and they still didn't overturn it. Everybody, everybody that was in that stadium. Even though there's no fans, I promise you, even the UW coaches and players knew that that was over the line and that they got lucky. Not once, but twice. So, I mean, hey, congrats, UW. You you got your opportunity to, 
you know, not below that game because the refs handed it to you. So, I mean, yeah. ha- hats off to you. Yeah. Well, have, let's move on to our next topic, which don't worry, we can still uh, whine about this game a little bit longer before we look forward. But Tristan Jibia, you kind of said it at the beginning. I'm going to read you a stat line. 11 for 24, 85 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception. I'll, I'll put, it, put it like this. How much of the blame does Tristan Jibia deserve for this loss? 100%. <laughs> 100%. Uh, 100%. You're a quarterback coming into a game against an opposing quarterback who has one yet to play a game, two, found out he was playing in the game maybe an hour before the game. Mm-hmm. Like, are you kidding me? You can't come out and you can't complete more passes than a guy that hasn't even played a game yet? Like, they both went, they both completed 11 passes. Jebby went 11 for 20. Oh, Jebby went for 11 for 24 and Morris went for, I don't know, 11 for something. Ridiculous that you can't come out and outplay a guy that hasn't even played a single game yet. He looked indecisive. He looked shaky. Didn't want to take any chances during the whole game. And that, and that the stat line just shows when you're 11 for 24, 85 yards, and you're the top receiving, the receiver with the most yards on our team had 25 yards. Like, are you kidding me? You can't get a receiver over 25 passing yards in a game against a team. I don't care how good that defense is. I don't care. It doesn't matter. If you can't get a receiver over 25 passing yards, your top receiver is getting 25 passing yards. You're not going to win football games. It's ridiculous. And you can't blame me. You can't blame the O line in this game. It's not like they play that bad. He got sacked twice. He got sacked twice. So that just shows, yeah, there might've been pressure, but the O line was holding it off enough to the the fact that UW should have had more than two sacks that game. Mm -hmm. And you yeah. still can't, and you still can't sling the ball. It's ridiculous. He just looks so. He looks scared. He looks like he doesn't know what he's doing out there. And he, he one hundred percent deserves all the blame in this game because if you have running backs like Baylor and Jefferson who are single handedly carrying you, you can't just throw the. Like I don't understand. I really don't understand. Pat, you hit the nail on the head. You've said basically everything I was going to say. What's just crazy to me is that we have. A great rushing attack, headlined by Jamar Jefferson. He's phenomenal, and I'm so proud of the way he's playing because, really, he's the only reason why Oregon State games are worth watching right now. But, I mean, Baylor came out. B.J. Baylor, he came out. He played great as well. The team literally knows our only chance of picking up yardage is by running the football, and our running backs still pick up yards. That means they are giving Jibby every single chance. We are giving him open receivers. The defense is selling out on the run, and he still can't make completions. It's like every time he drops back, if his first read isn't panics, and he's rushed, and he just throws, like, I don't, he had two fumbles this game. Because, and both of those fumbles were because of indecisive, there was indecisiveness. It was not because there was a lot of pressure. I mean, obviously there's going to be pressure, but a good quarterback is going to go through his reads and make the right play. And he really, through these two games, has not made the right play more often than not. A lot of times he looks anxious out there. He looks like, to be honest, he looks like he doesn't know where he's going to go with the ball. It's like someone playing Madden who is just to their best receiver every single time, and if they're not open, they have no idea what to do because that's what it looks like. That's honestly what it looks like, and I hate to say it, but with that being said, I'm not going to put this 100% on Jibia just because, I don't know, it's 
team game. I'm not going to allocate 100% of the blame to him. We talked about that defense, how bad that was. But, I mean, dude, it we need to throw the ball more than five yards. Most of our passes were drag routes. They were flats. It was just run, and then our receivers run three yards to get. They're glorified run plays, essentially. I really would like to see Jibia start airing the ball out, taking some chances. And this, I'll, I'll leave it right here, but this really is what, this wraps up what the whole game was in my eyes. The last play of the game, we're driving down the field. Or we're not driving down the field, but we had a chance. With how bad we played, we still had a chance to score a touchdown. We got the ball back with like a minute 47 left, right? On fourth down, after three terrible plays, on fourth down, he throws it off his own lineman's shoulders. He doesn't even – the defense doesn't swat it down. The cornerback didn't have to make a play. He's not feeling pressure. He threw it off his right guard's shoulder pads. How does that happen when there's no pressure? If that ball doesn't hit the court, the right guard's shoulder pads, it's going to hit the ground four yards later. I do not understand how on a fourth and 12 or 13, whatever it was, how you hit your right guard's shoulder pads when you're facing no pressure. No, I was going to bring that up too. That was the point in the game where I've officially decided that I'm no longer on the Jebbia train. I'm not. I know second, third episode of this Beaver Dash we had here, or we got here, I was I was hyped about him. I really was. I was really excited for the things that I thought Jebbia could bring to this team, and <laughs> he's pulling a full-on Mark Sanchez. If we're being honest, he's pulling a Mark Sanchez. I can't get behind him. I honestly think that it's time to give Nolan some some burn. It's time to give Nolan some time. I think it really is. I really think that Jebbia isn't following through with all the hype that he had behind him, coming in from Nebraska, being behind Luton, playing well against Oregon. It's not translating. None yeah. of it is fun. It, it none of it's translating, and I think it's finally time for Jonathan Smith to maybe wake up and give his other guys a chance. Unless mm-hmm. Jeb, if and especially after this week, I say after week three, if Jebbia comes out and puts up a stinker up against Cal, who just lost to a real weak UCLA team. Jebby's yeah. gone. He's out. Yeah, that that kind of answers the question I was going to ask you, which is, is this his last chance? And I think absolutely. If he doesn't come out here and show us something, he should be done because the whole reason we started him is because he's the better passer, right? We knew he wasn't as dynamic with his feet as Nolan is. Nolan's one of the faster guys on the offense, period. So the reason we started Jebbia is because he knows the playbook better and he should be better at the air attack, right? If we can't pass the ball with him anyway, why not just put Nolan out there and just run a read option every single play? Because at least what I know, if Nolan can't throw the ball, he'll at least be able to evade pressure a little bit more and maybe make something out of nothing. Whereas Jibia, if he can't throw the ball, he's really no threat back there whatsoever. Whatsoever at all. But what would you, I guess this is what I want to we can start to kind of go into the cow. But before we quite get to that, what would you like to see out of Jebbia this week? What could get you back on the Jebbia hype train? I need over eighty-five yards. <laughs> like that's at, like it's abysmal. Eighty-five yards as a quarterback in a college football game. We're, we're not even talking NFL. If we were talking NFL. I'm like, okay, yeah, that guy's bad. But like eighty-five yards, understandable. It's college football. Just a Kirk Cousins fan. Get out of here, guy. Yeah. All right. But I'm but you understand what I'm saying. In yeah. college football, quarterbacks throw. Quarterbacks mm-hmm. run. Quarterbacks put up numbers. I sound like a caveman, but hey, quarterback put up big numbers if quarterback throw ball. Jebby, you need to throw ball. 
please make him throw a ball. That's all I have to say. To, that's the one thing I have to say to Jonathan Smith is make this man throw the ball. Make him less indecisive. If he doesn't know what he's doing, get him out of there. What I would like to see from Jebbia is, one, some confidence. The guy has to have some confidence when he's back, when he drops back. Because if you don't have any confidence, you can even tell. He doesn't look like he knows where he wants to go with the ball or what he's going to do with it. Two, I need over 85 yards. I need over 150 yards. I need over 200 yards. I need him to sling the ball around. And three, to be honest with you, I don't even have a third. I just need him to do two basic things. Be confident and throw. That's all a quarterback needs to do. This, this is what I'm saying. I think if he doesn't have – I don't even want to say this game is his last chance. I think he has one half to go out there and prove it. If he doesn't – I'm not saying he has to put up 25 points in the first half or whatever, but if he can't show us that he can put together solid drive after solid drive against a terrible Cal team, and I'm sorry to any Cal people who are watching this because I know my team's awful too, so don't take it too offensive. Don't get too offended. But if he cannot put together a couple nice drives in the first half – I want Coach Smith to move on right then. I've seen enough through these two games to move on already. I say give him one more half. If he doesn't do it, then as far as I'm concerned, his time as a starter should be over. Ring the what bell. You, Ring, the bell. Ring the bell. Bring in Nolan. It's dinner time, baby. All right. Well, let's go on. Um, felt good to get that out. Felt good to complain about our team. But let's look forward to this next week against Cal. We're playing a team that, like you said, they just lost to a pretty bad UCLA team. Neither UCLA or Cal, or Oregon State for that matter, are considered to be top of the Pac-12. All three of us are supposed to be bottom of the Pac-12. With that being said, with everything that we've talked about, am I crazy for truly and honestly believing the Beavers are going to win this game? I don't think you're crazy. I don't. I know everybody else is going to think we're crazy. They thought we were crazy week one. They definitely thought we were crazy week two. I'm just saying week three is the week and quite honestly, the only week for the rest of the year that I think the Beavers can actually pull out a win. I thought they could pull out the win against Washington State. It was a stretch. I bet my hair on it, all that. You know, I was confident because I thought this offense and defense, this whole team in general could do something after week two. You know, now I just don't see it. I really just don't see it. I, I. I think maybe against a weak Cal team who just, like I said, got beat against a weak UCLA team. It's the the, the last chance they have to get an easy dub mm-hmm. that wouldn't be considered an upset. Yeah. You know what's crazy is that we look at our team, and we've talked about so much. So much. We're like, we've lost so many big names. We lost Luton. We lost Hodgins. We feel like we have an inexperienced team. The fact of the matter is we are one of the more – we have one of the more veteran teams in the Pac-12. We have a lot of upperclassmen on our roster. It's a struggle every single week for me and you to think of a freshman on our team who steps up just because we don't have a lot of freshmen who play, honestly. You look at the teams we've played. Washington State, we lost to a freshman QB. Washington, we lost to a QB making his first start. The fact of the matter is every team in college football is inexperienced because every team in college football is playing 18 to 22-year-olds. I'm tired of using that as an excuse. I think – I'm not saying we're – I'm no longer going to say, oh, we're inexperienced. It's our excuse. Jibia, you are plenty experienced. You are a redshirt junior. You've been in this program for a while. You now have three games under your belt. It's time to go out there and play better. That being said, I do think we're going to beat Cal. And I really hope because 
we've put together some good quarters of football. We've put together a couple good halves, and hopefully for once we can put together a full game. But that being said, the only way we're being Cal is one, and this is the one I'm most confident in, Jamar, run the ball down their throat, have a great game, and I know he's going to have a great game. That is what's nice. I just know he's going to have a great game. These next two, I don't know so much about. Two, Jebia, be comfortable, be confident in your throws. Go through your reads, sit in the pocket, don't panic right away. And then three, a guy we haven't talked about a lot recently, which is funny because we probably talked about him just about as much as anyone else during the offseason, is where is Rashad Jr.? Where is he? He has six tackles this year, zero sacks. He's supposed to be a first-round pick, maybe second-round pick. Where has he been? Where's he been, bro? I need him to show up and give us something on the defensive end and lead that defense because he's supposed to be our leader, and he really has not done anything so far this season. Yeah, no, Hamakar, if you're watching this, I'm throwing it out there. Stop worrying about the senior bowl. Stop worrying about the draft. I know it's important to you, but it's about time that you show up on this defense and lead this defense because it's what we need. It's what the team needs. You can't go ghost. If you're going to be a top draft, if you're going to be a first round pick in this draft, you got to show out, man. Just because you've done it the past few years doesn't mean you can just slack off at the end of this year because you're heading out the how heading out the door at the end of the year. It, it, it's not how it works. You need to show up, stop going ghost, and play with some heart. Lead this defense because that's what the team needs. It's it's on the defensive end where you are the leader, and it's time for you to step up. That's exactly. my, that's my word to the defense and a hammer card. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Let me take you to a place that we don't want to go, and maybe exactly a week from now we're going to be laughing because this will be exactly where we're going to be because I'm tired of having all this false optimism. But say we lose this game. Say we start 0-3. We lose to a Washington State team. We honestly should have won. We are favored in that game. We lose to a Washington team who basically gave us this game, tried to give us, tried to give us the game, and then we lose to a bad Cal team. Say we lose them. We're 0-3 against three teams. We had a chance of winning all three. How much pressure is on Coach Smith for the rest of the season? Oh, I know we've we've already said that this season shouldn't indicate the future for Coach Smith. I've changed my mind. I have I've changed my mind. I I, I think that if this season goes zero and seven, he's out, or he's got another year to prove himself, which I think could be a waste of time if this is what happens after the season. I don't want to I don't want to put all the pressure on him because this is a very weird time for college football, but when it comes down to it, you're losing games that you one should win or two are being handed and you're still losing these games. It's ridiculous that you can't somehow in your coaching scheme come up with ways to get around all the things the teams are throwing at you. Like every team knows what OSU is going to do. It's crazy that it only takes two weeks for teams to figure OSU out. It's a run game. It's that's a run why, game. That's why I'm even more worried because if any week Jebbia was going to have two great games and our offense was going to click, it was going to be these first two weeks. Team knows we can't throw the ball. Every team knows Jamar's our only offensive weapon. It makes me so worried what's going to happen. Let's look at this. We lose this game. We start 0-3. Next week, we have Oregon. We're probably going to lose that game. We'll start 0-4. Then after that, we have Utah. If they can never play a game and they're not 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 hindered by COVID this whole time, more than likely we're losing to Oregon, we're losing to Utah. Those are two games we said at the beginning of the season we were going to lose. 
at this point, if if we wanted to pull up the tapes, we were we would have said we would have beat Washington State, maybe lose to Washington, beat Cal, go be two and one heading into Oregon. Dude, if we're 0 and three and we lose to Oregon, go 0 and four, lose to Utah, 0 and five, then our only chance of winning is against Stanford, really. And I'm not even positive we can do that. I'm just saying this is this is kind of a must win for Jonathan Smith because I'm telling you, if we start 0 and five, a lot of people are going to start coming for him, saying he might not be. You know, this game is, I think, a pivotal game in his coaching career. If I'm going to be honest, and I hate to say that because he's he's done some good things for us, but I haven't seen him do great things ever since Lewin and Hodges are gone, and I need to see it. I need to see it. No, I agree. Well, Gus, let me get your final score of this OSU Cal game. I, after much uh, thought, that was a bad sentence, but what I, uh, I honestly think our offense is going to click this game. I have faith because Cal just gave up 35 points to UCLA, because I know Jamar can run the ball, and I know our offensive line can produce good holes for him to run in. I'm saying we're going to win this game, and I think we're going to win it Somewhere around the range, I, I think we're going to win 35-28, win by a touchdown. Offense is going to look better than it is because Jamar is going to carry us. I think Jibia is going to have a little bit better performance this week. And for that reason, I think we're going to win this game. We're going to put 35 points. What do you say? No, I'm right there with you. I, I don't see us you know, running up the score or both teams running up the score like that. I think this is going to be a pretty slow game. I mean, last year it was a pretty slow, uneventful sure. game. Uh, I'm going with 28-17 OSU, and that's that's the optimism in me. I, I think that OSU can pull it out. I think that they can put up points. I think, like you said, the offense is going to click. So hopefully this week everything turns around. This one, last thought right here. If we lose this game, you guys will not hear this false optimism that we're always accused of. You will not hear me say we're going to win another game for the rest of the season. But I'm telling you guys, I might – go crazy i might act wild if we could somehow have a dominant performance you're gonna start here and we're beating oregon you best believe it so please beavers coach smith jibia give me one good game let us please win this game it's my boy's 21st birthday on saturday i know he'd like nothing more than for us to beat cal no i agree all right well thank you everybody for coming out that's going to be the end of the show we have columns published exclusively with our partner sports pack 12 Follow them on Twitter at SportsPack12. Dashboards TV, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. I almost forgot about TikTok. Can't forget about TikTok. Mm. Uh, You can check out our own website at dashboards.tv if you want to see some of our columns and our shows from yours truly, Morgan and Gus, or some of the other dashes that we have on our website. Uh, Well, I hope you have a great night. I'm going to be restless until this cow game. Until next time, I'm Morgan Applefinger. I'm Gus Light. Have a good one, folks.